Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, a former British Army soldier who was standing trial over a fatal shooting during Northern Ireland's troubles has died. The death of Dennis Hutchings while on trial in Belfast for the murder of John Pat Cunningham in the 1970s meant different things to different people. To the many supporters of Dennis Hutchings, the sad way his life ended is proof that it's wrong to prosecute British soldiers for alleged crimes committed a long time ago. The fact that he was hounded to death, I think is shameful. The veterans here really questioning what they did in the Troubles and why they put their lives on the line and why they're being brought back to court here. To the family of John Pat Cunningham, the death of Dennis Hutchings before his trial could conclude means they've lost their last chance for justice. He never made it home. You'd like to think he had justice and death, and, and that has been denied now as well. This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Connor Pope. Today, the killing of John Pat Cunningham and the debate over how to deal with the atrocities of the past. Freya McClements is the Irish Times Northern Editor. Freya, last week the funeral took place of Dennis Hutchings. Can you tell us a little bit about the funeral and the reaction to his passing? Yes, well, the funeral took place on the 11th of November, Remembrance Day, and that was Dennis Hutchings' wish as a veteran, as a former soldier. And the number of people gathered here today, both inside and outside the church, and also online now too, is a testimony to the very high regard in which Dennis is held. It took place in Plymouth, but one of the things that just struck me from watching the photographs and the coverage of that was just the sheer amount of colour, you know, the flags, the banners, there were military pallbearers carrying his coffin and hundreds of people attended. I mean, there were politicians, the DUP leader, Geoffrey Donaldson, the upper ban MP, also from the DUP, Carla Lockhart, the UK's former veterans minister, Johnny Mercer, and also ex-servicemen and women who who stood and and, and applauded as the cortege was was taken past. Johnny Mercer, um, the Conservative MP who have referred to spoke during the funeral. I'm not proud of how we currently remember those who served in that appalling conflict trying to prevent a bloody civil war. And I know that these feelings can intensify when we see the grotesque spectacle of what happened to Dennis in a Belfast court. If you were to ask me of the best example of the British non-commissioned officer the name of Dennis Hutchins would immediately spring to my mind. My name's Charlie Agnew. I'm from Armagh City and I would be John Putt Cunningham's nephew. How did the funeral of Dennis Hutchings, with all the military trappings and the eulogies, make you feel? Um... Very mixed emotions. The first thing that I would always put on record is that I appreciate that the family of Dennis Hutchins have a, a grieving process to go through and, and they're entitled to that. However, the whole fanfare that went with it 
and the the, the pl- applauded silly god made me feel very uncomfortable and it also made me feel as if uh, yet again my my uncle john pat was being overlooked in the whole scenario freya who were john patrick cunningham and dennis hutchings and what happened on that day in 1974 john pat Cunningham and Dennis Hutchings were two two people from different countries, from completely different walks of life. One a soldier, one a man from Ben Burb, County Tyrone, little t- tiny village on the border between Tyrone and Armagh. 27-year-old man, he had what would now be termed learning difficulties. He had the mental age, it was said, of, of a child of between about six or ten. He was walking home, he was coming from Ben Burb Priory where he used to volunteer and he was making his way home along this narrow lane when a British Army patrol uh, made up of two Land Rovers came along the lane. In one of those Land Rovers was Dennis Hutchings who was then a 33-year-old staff sergeant in the lifeguards and he, he was the commander of the patrol. Dennis Hutchings was a career soldier. He'd joined the army as a career. He'd been in Cyprus and had then been sent to Northern Ireland, first of all, when the troubles broke out in 1969. They wouldn't have known this, but John Pat Cunningham also had had a fear of soldiers because of a previous incident. He had a fear of men in uniforms and he began to run. The soldiers shouted at him. They shouted at him to, to halt. They called at him to stop and two or three of the soldiers followed. John Pat went into the adjoining field and was running. Dennis Hutchings followed him into that field. Another soldier, known as Soldier B, went in via another gate a bit further down in the field. John Pat was running and and in the courtroom they counted this out. He ran for 10 seconds. And that doesn't sound like a long time, but it's an incredibly long time when you're running away from, from soldiers. Five shots were fired. Dennis Hutchings fired three. Soldier B fired two. John Pat died where he fell, was what the HET later said about it. For years, I would have passed that field, um, coming from Armagh, playing football on Tully Sarn or going around it, and, and it was a field that you knew something happened in. I do get a real sense of, of emptiness and error an airiness about the field whenever you're in it and, you know, retracing John Pat's moments and and how afraid he was. And I always picture how frightened, even though he's a fully grown, big, strong man, as I said earlier, he had the, he had the mental ca- capacity of a child and having these guys with blacked out faces and uniforms carrying guns, foreign English accents to him, shouting at him, them last moments of his life must have been horrific. Can you tell us a little bit about John Pat? What was he like and what do you remember of him? It's it's funny, my, my memories of John Pat as a living person are a whole lot less than they are from, from he died and particularly in the last almost 12 years from, from this investigation started. Um, one of my fondest memories of John Pat was we used to go out to um, his mother's house, my granny Mary's house, and um, John Pat used to, to take you in his hands and throw you up in the air. And he was such a big, strong man that that you thought you were floating, you thought you were flying, and, and because of his physical strength and his mental disabilities, he didn't realise he was putting you at, at danger, so you're, he was throwing you as high as he could, and that's probably the fondest memory I have of, of John Pat, this really big, strong guy throwing you around like a, like a doll. And there must have been a certain innocence to him, was there? A total innocence to him, and in all my research and everything I've done about it, his, his capabilities to think at times got worse, 
but um, at his very best level, he was he was a very immature person for his for his years, and, and that was down to to his medical condition. So I think there's there's always a sweetness goes with innocence as well. So you know, you seen what you had with him, and you knew what to expect of him, and you didn't know what was coming next. Seemed to be the the, the line. And of course, as has been documented, he had this fear of people in uniforms. He had a, a fear of people in uniform and, and people in, I think it was, if you cast yourself back when you were a kid, somebody with authority always were afraid of as well. Couple that with his mental illness, he, he was afraid, but uh, there was a trigger to this as well. I think that's important. And um he had been, apprehended up, is probably a bit strong, but he had been stopped and was in the process of being arrested at least one time before and, and he was quite robustly handled at that time which added to the fear and so when he's seen these people coming that's what his mental capacity was to think of what happened back then so as a result of that John Pat tried to avoid them and, and I think this is something that's very important to try and get across to people when John Pat left the road he wasn't effectively running away from the soldiers even though he was avoiding them he was running home and when he got into that field the direction towards home was there for everyone to see and, and the soldiers may not know that but that's the train of thought that I'm 100% sure John Pat was get over the hedge, get away from the soldiers and make the fastest way I can home Freya, can you tell us about how this case developed over the decades between the death of John Pat Cunningham in 1974 and today? Starting back then, was John Pat's killing investigated in the immediate aftermath of his death? Not really. This is one of the, the sticking points, if you like, one of the differences between the argument that would have been put forward, for example, by Dennis Hutchings and by his legal team and by Cunningham family and, and their advocates. In the immediate aftermath of John Pat Cunningham's death, Dennis Hutchings and Soldier B were questioned under caution by two members of the RUC. The entirety of these interviews took no more than 20 minutes. Dennis Hutchings took legal advice, said that he had been advised not to make a statement. He was asked a handful of questions, declined to answer most of them, other than to say that he had been in charge of the patrol and that he'd called on John Pat to stop. A report was submitted to the Director of Public Prosecutions who decided not to bring criminal charges. There it sat until 2010 when the HET, the Historical Inquiries team, got involved. And that's a team within the PSNI, the Police Service of Northern Ireland, that investigated legacy killings. It's now disbanded, but in 2010 it was operational and it opened a review of John Pat Cunningham's case, which subsequently led to a referral by the Attorney General in the North and the recommendation that there be a police investigation. Both Dennis Hutchings and Soldier B took legal advice, as was their right, and declined to be interviewed or, or to give statements. And the HET made the point that the consequences of this were that the full circumstances of what happened to John Pat Cunningham would never be known. And again, because of this, they had no new evidence, so they had nothing to take forward. This is one of the points when there is talk that of Dennis Hutchings or, or Soldier B having been cleared. They hadn't been cleared, there had been no investigations. This HET inquiry did lead, though, to an apology from the UK government, from the Ministry of Defence, um, and the HET also made the point that John Pat had been completely innocent. The Attorney General in, in the North recommended then that it be reinvestigated. There was a police investigation. A file was passed to, to the PPS, the Public Prosecution Service in the North, which then recommended prosecutions. 
and, and its decision was questioned strongly, very strongly, in the wake of, of Dennis Hutchings' death. This morning there are serious questions that need to be asked of those who took the decision that it was in the public interest to prosecute this man. And the Public Prosecution Service made it very clear that they they stood by the decision to prosecute, that the test for prosecution had been met on several occasions. This was actually referred to two High Court judges and that considering that we were dealing with a charge of attempted murder, that it was clearly in the public interest to prosecute. So they stood by that decision. The 79-year-old ex-soldier arrived at Belfast Crown Court for the first day of his trial. Dennis Hutchins was accompanied Did we learn anything in those two weeks of the trial and did Mr Hutchings take the stand? Dennis Hutchings didn't take the stand. Whether he, he would have or not, we don't know. Writing in the Telegraph last month, Solicitor Philip Barden said that had the trial got to his evidence, Dennis Hutchings would have explained that he fired shots into the air and hadn't fired at, at John Pat Cunningham at all. And he also said that the prosecution had received witness evidence from soldiers stating that it wasn't Dennis Hutchings who shot Mr Cunningham, that he didn't shoot him, and that the other soldier, Soldier B, Soldier B is also deceased, had said that he had been the one who, who had shot John Pat Cunningham. Much of this has already been aired in, in the media prior to this. I mean, Dennis Hutchings had done interviews just before the trial started. We were doing a bit large, big operation uh, following up and there was an incident where I can't talk about it because I've got to go and trial for it. Then he, he had said you know, that he had fired into the air as a, as a warning shot, for, for example. The, the Cunningham family sort of make this point as well, that because the trial halted, we don't know, we will, we will never know. The key points that aren't disputed are that John Pat was innocent, that he was murdered, that he was shot by one of these soldiers. But beyond that, at this stage, given that both are now deceased, they just may never know fully what happened that day. primary reason for doing what I did and what my family have done was to clear John Pat's name. That has happened. That's unreserved now. Um, it's now in public record because it went to trial that it was a murder. It's never been decided who actually done the murder, who committed the murder, but it was a murder that was being investigated. So that that's exactly where we wanted to be with John Pat. The allegations that he was all sorts of things from a, a, an IRA gun runner to a terrorist and all that sort of stuff made me think that this is wrong. For the last 12 years, it's been very difficult listening to people telling lies about my uncle. And that's what's really, really hard on me, is listening to people telling lies. What they say about Dennis Hutchins is neither here nor there at the start for me, because that's a different scenario, it's a different incident, it's it's culpability on their side of who done this. The innocent person in this, the only victim in this, is John Pat Cunningham. When the trial was given the green light, was that a vindication for the fight that you and your family had fought all those years? I, I definitely wanted to see this in open court because John Pat had nothing to hide. And it happened to be Dennis Hutchins who, who was charged. There was 10 soldiers there. Could have been, you know, 10 of them could have been charged. I can understand his family's concerns about something that happened so many years ago and it was their loved one and he was coming to the end of his life and it was unfair. But I also have to be real about it and say it. The fact of the matter is that if you hit the rounds to be taken to court on a legal proceeding, if you meet that test, you should have to answer it. It doesn't matter how long ago it is. 
Does his passing and the end of the trial mean that you will never get the answers that you fought so hard to get? What I wanted someone from who was there that day was to actually stand up and say what happened and stand up and say publicly, look, this man was innocent. This man didn't deserve a shot. This man has died. And the only people who can do it now are gone, basically. So they've taken that with them to the grave. There's never been a full, proper account, particularly in, in a legal aspect where you're under oath or you know, you're, you're asked to swear in a Bible or whatever way it is that you're sworn in to, to give your evidence. And, and that, that has been taken away from us. And, and it's very annoying when I read now, and I was actually reading stuff even this morning, you know, about Mr. Hutchins saying that he wanted his day in court and he, he wanted to prove his innocence and he could do this. When you look at from 1974 to now, he's never once given a, a proper interview, no common statements the whole way along. His, his defence team, who were one of the top defences that he could get, there was no expense spur from the MOD in recruiting his defence team, stopped the court proceedings at every opportunity they could. They took it to every court they could to try and get it thrown out. He had loads of opportunities to clear his name if he had something so brazen to clear his name with. That kind of stuff's frustrating. Freya, you interviewed Dennis Hutchings back in 2018 when the process had got underway. What was that interview like and what was Dennis Hutchings like? Yeah, I interviewed him over the phone, so I didn't actually get to meet him, but we had a long conversation of about an hour on the phone. And I mean, he, he was angry, first of all. He was angry that he had been arrested, angry that, as he put it, that this had all been dragged up again. You know, he sort of kept repeating that, you know, I've been cleared for this twice. You know, at, at one point he says, you know, I'm very bloody angry about it. I'm being classed as a terrorist. He said the Northern Ireland government, the legacy department of the PS and I were hounding servicemen. And he said this was all about politics. It, it's nothing to do with the law anymore. And I put it to him several times that, well, look, if, you know, the basic principle of the law is that, you know, there is a belief that a crime has been committed, then a person should be charged and that there should be a trial. And he said, well, yes, I agree with the process of law with the exception of this. And I said, well, well, why then is this different. And he said, well, there's no new evidence linking my case. There's no new evidence. There never has been. In fact, they've, they've lost most of most of the evidence. And then you know, I put it back to him again. I said, you know, if there's a crime, there should be a prosecution. He, he said, I would agree with that. So again, why is it different in your case? He said, well, because your DPP and Barry McGrory, who was then the Attorney General, in particular, find it easy to prosecute me for some reasons, who was coming back to the political interpretation. And he actually got quite angry with, with, with me at one point and, and he sort of said things like, what, what, what are you trying to do? What, what are you trying to do with this interview? What, what are you trying to, trying to put across? And I asked him, well, do you feel that you're confident you're going to be acquitted? Because he always sort of maintained his innocence. Um, and he said, I don't feel confident. You never know with the bloody system you've got over there, to be quite honest. Dennis Hutchings now can no longer speak for himself, but certainly that was what he said to me back then. Coming up, the intense debate over how to deal with crimes committed during the Troubles. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The killing of John Pat Cunningham is just one of many killings in Northern Ireland over the course of the Troubles. How contentious is the issue of legacy killings in Northern Ireland at present? Hugely controversial, hugely contentious. And and this is part of the reason that the trial of Dennis Hutchings became in itself so controversial. Dennis Hutchings became, if you like, a, a figurehead for the campaign by veterans and others, by conservative politicians, unionist politicians, to to prevent what they call or to end what they would call this witch hunt against former British soldiers. I mean, important to say that when, when you look at the figures, that this this claim of a witch hunt just didn't stack up. I mean, there have only ever been in, in this post-Troubles era a handful of cases brought against British soldiers. Um, and this is because they, broadly speaking, were not I- investigated at the time. Most of these have collapsed or have, have not proceeded for various reasons. But all of this feeds into this debate and this argument that's going on at the moment over what is often termed in the North dealing with with the past uh, and these new proposals by the UK government to to introduce this statute of limitations, I mean, which would apply across the board. So it would apply to to soldiers, it would apply to former members of the IRA, of loyalist paramilitaries, you know, it would apply across the board. And, and the argument put forward by the UK government is that, look, the current system that we have it, it is not working. Families are not getting justice or the, the information that they seek through this. What we need to do is draw a line under the past uh, and find a better way of dealing with this that focuses on information recovery. Everybody, pretty much apart from the British government, um, disagrees with this. And it, it's one of these really rare instances in, in Northern Ireland where you have political parties of all shades who, who are opposed to this. Most of all, victims group who make the point that that, that will not serve anybody and actually you can argue that the case of John Pat Cunningham demonstrates that it is still possible to get to the point where there is a case to answer. You know, nobody's saying that there has to be a prosecution, but if there is a case to answer, that this should come before the courts. And, and worth saying as part of this as well, these new plans by the British government are contrary to what was put forward, what was agreed by both governments and by the parties in Northern Ireland in the Stormont House Agreement, which is what, you know, many victims groups, many people say well, it's not ideal, but it would have been a way of dealing with the past. It was signed up to a new decade, new approach. It looks now very much as if the UK government is going to press ahead with this regardless. And then one would imagine you'll be into legal challenges in regard to that again. If the victims groups are against this, if the unionist political parties are against it, and if the nationalist political parties are against it, if the Irish government is against it, if the opposition in the British Parliament is against it, why is this being pushed by Boris Johnson's government? Well, this was really was about veterans. So there was a manifesto pledge made by the Conservative government that they would stop these, what they term these 
vexatious prosecutions against veterans. Some would argue that it goes much, much further than that. And actually, it's about covering up, if you like, or making sure that the full truth about what happened in, in, in Northern Ireland doesn't come out. Because obviously, the, the UK government and, and security services, things like that, were actors in, in that as well. You know, again, this was this started out as about veterans, but you know, legally you can't have it for for sort of one group of people and not another. So it it has to apply across the board. And and interestingly, one of the issues that that for example veterans groups would have with this is that they say, well, that puts us on a par with what they would term IRA terrorists. We're you know you know so really nobody is in favour of, of this apart from the UK government. But you know the, the fact remains that they have a huge majority in Westminster, so they can they they can push this through even though everybody else is against it. And how do the communities in Northern Ireland think that these legacy crimes should be investigated or treated? Um, well, broadly speaking, the Stormont House Agreement is sort of seen as the best, the best model on the table. And again, it was you know agreed by both governments, and the commitment to deliver this was part of the new decade, new approach deal that restored Stormont in in twenty twenty. And and you know, victims and victims would say that you need to have that parallel approach of, of sort of a twin track approach of of truth and also justice. And the, the key difference really is that they would say that you can't rule out access to, to justice, you know, and, and most families you speak to, I mean, they're, they're, they're realistic about this, you know, they realise that in most cases, the chances of anybody ever being brought to court for this are really slim, but they, they want that, they need that possibility to, to be there. Whereas this just... This just removes that completely, yeah. yeah. Going back to the death of John Pat Cunningham and the death of Dennis Hutchings, what impact, if any, do you think the trial of Dennis Hutchings will have across Northern Ireland? I, I think in in terms of the outworkings of this, I mean, obviously this gives further fuel to the different arguments in, involved in, in this debate. For example, you know, veterans groups, politicians who, who are in favour of um, the statute of limitations, you know, they will argue that, that what happened to Dennis Hutchings is evidence as to why this, this shouldn't happen. You know, that he was an 80 year old man who was in ill health, who was, quote, dragged through the courts. And they will say that this is why this is wrong and, and this, this needs to be stopped. The bottom line in all of this is that the victim in this was John Pat Cunningham for his family and for other families who are in this position. I mean, again, very few families, not all families want this, but very few families actually get to the point, the point of, of a court. And they would make the argument that what they want is, you know, they want their loved one to be remembered, that John Pat's name, they want his name to be, to be known. So you can argue that some of the publicity around this will contribute to that goal. And it also sheds light on, for example, some of the issues we've been talking about. Ultimately, you know, the fact remains that you have 3,700 plus people who lost their lives in the troubles on, on all sides. And there's still a huge amount of, you know, a huge amount of hurt. And, and you know, the outworkings of that are still being felt on, on a daily basis. Charlie, John Pat is one innocent victim of the troubles. But of course, there's been many others. How do you think we should honour their memories and manage the search for justice in a broader sense? To, to try and draw a line on the bereavement for me is, is near on impossible because all you're going to do is stop it for a short time. Each family will need different stuff. So, some families want prosecution. Some families just want the truth. Some families just want to get some kind of closure. For me, the only way for this to happen is to go back to the start. There has to be an independent body. 
not connected to either side, and that includes the PSNA, because the PSNA are connected to the RUC through history. And there is, there is potential for compromise. I think we need to take that whole compromise away. And then what it has to be, there has to be a totally independent body investigating all incidents, not for one side or other. The same independence, the same neutrality for both sides and the same people investigating both sides. People always say, can you, you know, you, you want closure? I don't call it closure. I think what we need to do is we need an opening. We need a beginning. And instead of having it closed, I think we need it open so that people can move forward and carry the burden of the past with them in a more controlled and a more acceptable way. And that's the only way we're ever going to get through this. That's it for today. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 